0: I was I was out running in uh, Sefton Park and uh, in Liverpool, and ran through a copse of trees, and had the sudden sudden awareness that these trees were growing freely. That you know they were they, they provided this amazing resource, and yet they didn't ask anything in return. And there they were, just growing, and nobody paid them. And uh, where did they come from? How come we got such a generous gift from the universe? Um, And the same with everything. Then, when you think along those lines, that well, you know, everything that we have—water and sunlight—how come we've got all those things? And how can we be, how can we be mean-spirited and not generous when we're given such a lot? And we don't have to, you know, no repayment requested. That was that was one thing. And And then the other thing was. In those days, the the literature that was available on Zen was very much kind of, it wasn't anywhere near as much as there is today. Um, And we were kind of restricted to Christmas Humphreys, who founded the Buddhist Society in London. Uh, He was a good man, he was a high court judge, but he wrote in the kind of, uh, what would you call it, kind of High Church of England kind of way, you know. Uh, slightly academic, not very rooted in, 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 in actual practice. And then there was D.T. Suzuki's books that we all read and didn't understand. D.T. Suzuki was a, a brilliant academic and also was deeply rooted in the reality of the practice. And, uh, and then there was Alan Watts. And Alan Watts was a kind of prodigy. He was like 14, I think 13 or 14, when he started to write to Christmas Humphreys. About Buddhism and later became a uh, kind of touchstone for the Zen in the late 60s and early 70s during, the, you know, it was the darling of hippies, the hippie time. Um, and I was reading one of his books. I've been reading Dieter D- Zuki and I just couldn't understand this, what the, all this was this enlightenment, this Buddha nature, what the hell. I couldn't, couldn't kind of get it. And then I was reading uh, Alan Watts and he said, uh, about Buddha nature. He said that you can't taste your own tongue. And like I had a flash of, of under a real flash of understanding. You can't taste your own tongue. You can't know Buddha nature. You can't, how can you know it when you're it? And not only can you not know it, but it's got no inside or outside. So it reminded me, it's the reverse of that story that, uh, Bob Dylan could never know what it was like to be in a pub because he could only look in through the window. Because if he ever went in, it wouldn't be a pub anymore, it'd be the whole vibe would change. And Buddha nature is a bit the other way around you're inside the pub, but there's no outside to look out to. You can't know what it's like inside or outside. There's no inside or outside to Buddha nature. This is it. Um, and I've, I've got I've captured a few quotes here from people who talk about buddha nature Um, and one is i am i am but there is no me the i i am but there is no me it reminds me of the rasta i and i i and i i don't really know what i and i means but i assume i and i means the i of, of of everything and the small i i and i but this is i am but there is no me the other one is a chan saying, you are the perceiving. You are the perceiving, not the perceiver. And then St. Francis of Assisi said, you are looking for what is looking. You are looking for what is looking. These are wonderful, aren't they? And then in Buddhist, that which is seeking is the sword. That which is seeking is the sought." And, uh, and my, own, uh, my own very familiar experience is seeking enlightenment. We call it enlightenment. is like looking for your glasses when they are pierced on your head. <laughs> and it's really funny when you find them and you feel so stupid, you know. And there's, there's a quote by a Zen master who said, after he'd had a big opening experience, he said, is that all it is? And then laughed. Well, oh, it is, and then laughed. So I, I'm, I'm going to carry on and talk a, a little more about enlightenment, as it were, but I wondered not what you understand, how can I phrase this? Um, not what your academic understanding of enlightenment would be, but what, if you had a vision of enlightenment, what would it mean for you? What would happen to you if you had an enlightenment experience? What would happen? How would it be? How would you, how do you envisage your life changing? Would it change? I'm curious. There's no right or wrong answer to this at all, of course. How would it be for you if you had an enlightenment experience? What would, what would change in your life? Ishin has a hand up for Roshi. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Hello, I have unmuted.
0: Okay, um, am I I'm... muted? You're not muted, Roshi. Oh, I'm not. Okay. Are you good? Do you want to say something, Ish?
1: Yes. I would sure. hope, I would hope, and this is my hope. Rather than my expectation that I would be able to put myself in other people's shoes, much better.
0: Great, thank you, Rish. That's really nice reply. Thank you, thanks, thank you.
1: Uh, Casper has his hand up. Yeah, um, by living in harmony in of my nature and my surrounding of in harmony, what? is happening
0: okay okay good harmony then yeah yeah
1: thank you thanks Uh, yeah I'll say something quickly Um, uh, I would think that or hope I guess again that I would just see motion or like life in things that I don't usually think to see it in or just like in little places which are you used to consider dead but now they're just uh, just possibility just in small places i think that's
0: being something. small being small sorry being small what joe
1: um i would i would hope to see possibility in small places,
0: places. But, you know, like yeah small places oh, okay. small places, places. Okay. but There's
1: you know physical
0: like, places you mean or, or yeah, you, know, spaces.
1: Just, you know just like it's whatever this is thing so just like a little round yeah. thing just like seeing the life of that somehow okay okay how that has changed i think that that's, okay
0: yeah. so you, you you you'd appreciate life would be more interesting and appreciate you'd appreciate there'd be more wonder is that right there'd be more yeah. wonder in your life Yeah.
1: In, in, in just the really little things
0: okay thank you thanks that's an interesting part. thank you Okay, uh, Dave, Dave. Can I can I see David? How do I see David? Oh, yeah. oh, Dave. Can you speak and I can see you? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask another question. Okay, Enlightenment? Do you think it's a well? My my imagining when I was started this practice and was you know full of anxiety and stress and all the, all the other things and. Uh, Distress. and I thought that enlightenment would be like one leaf of a, 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 a bound into freedom. And I wonder what your view is. Do you think an enlightenment experience is forever? Or is it temporary? Or does it last a few weeks or a day? Or what? what what's, what's your take? Okay, I know it's a difficult question. It requires you to own up as to whether you've had one or not. I <laughs> well, shall respond to that, Queen. Okay, okay, great. Thanks, Shinro-Sensei. I am... Um, I would like to think that the things that I feel I understand, I will understand for the rest of my life. But I think... But that's all I'm doing, thinking. Okay. (laughs) And and the the reason I'm saying that is because I look at my mother and I look at the way in which she's been hollowed out by dementia. And I ask myself, where is the Buddha nature in that? And there's an easy answer. There's an easy answer. Of course there is. But there's a very difficult question there, too. You know, how... How would it be for me if I was in that state? And I cannot possibly know. Thanks, thanks, Sensei. That, that's you know, that's that's a so interesting question, isn't it? You know, and when we say you know, we, time swiftly passes by and opportunity is lost. It's true, but the opportunity may be taken, and it may be taken away from us by dementia as well. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for bringing
1: that up. Thank you. Keith, Keith. wants we'll to say something, Roshi.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for that, Roshi. Um, for, for me, it would be I'd, I'd have to keep working at it. Um, I couldn't rely on the experience. I'd have to keep working on what appreciating my life is. Um, and the irony for me would be that um, it's complete. I'm complete. I can't add nothing to it or take anything away from it. Um, I can't gain anything uh, and nothing can be taken away I, there's no lack so to appreciate life I'd have to keep working at that I think that's what the whole point of the practice is to to integrate it and work keep
0: working at it and that it's it's a lifelong thing for me Right. thanks that, that thank you Keith thanks for that I was the only thing. The the only thing that I'm lacking at that, you know, is hair. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Rosie has a hand up. Okay. Hi Rosie.
1: Hi Rosie. Um, I'm definitely not lacking in hair, so I can't agree oh, with no, you you're on plenty, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think enlightenment. Maybe well, maybe I'm probably not enlightened, but I think it's probably <laughs> lots of small, lots of small um, moments or glimpses of something that probably comes and goes over time, and at times is stronger than other times.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Roshi. Hey, hi, Colin. Colin here. I was just going to say, I think um, the question of whether it lasts forever or not. Um, revolves very much around um, what's the implications for me Mm. Um, but it's something that presumably or at least hopefully would would have its you know would send out ripples through other people's lives and Mm.
1: and uh, and and I think that perhaps the impact of
0: one person having a a profound experience can can be felt across the rest of time even if it even if that individual person then forgets it okay okay that's thank you because that 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 then brings me to another question i'm gonna i'm gonna just let people finish but thanks for that you've prompted okay. me into what i was going to ask but so thank you all right tim? Hey, is there anyone else
1: yeah tim wants to say something i think Rishi.
0: okay tim <laughs> i did um
1: to me it's yeah. like a leaky tap filling up an old basin and the bait is worse than that the basin has got a plug that leaks as well so it might initially fill up but it leaks out and it's worse than that as well because there's no tap and no basin that's how i see enlightenment
0: thank you thanks thank you <laughs> good luck with
1: that <laughs> sheila there's
0: no Tim. <laughs>
1: sorry roshi yeah sheila is also wanting to say
0: something okay thanks. Thanks. Hi Roshi. Um, yeah, uh, actually, when you said the word freedom, you, you, the, your first question, I was stumped. I thought, what is enlightenment? And then you said the word freedom, and that made total sense to me. To me, it's about it's about freedom, and what I find is that the little tiny bits of freedom that I experience, um, uh, they make such a big change. That they change me change, things change mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. stays, that's not going to go that's, mm-hmm. that's going to stay and, and mm-hmm. there's going to be more and more and more freedom Great Sheila, thank you Sheila, you're getting wiser as you're getting older, do you know what's going on? <laughs> 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 thank you Thanks. Not that you were ever not wise <laughs> Okay, so can you come back?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think everybody. Okay, okay,
0: sorry to keep calling you in. I'm, I'm getting used to John's phone. So, the, the next question is really, I think if you were enlightened, each, each of us, if, if you were enlightened, who would care? Colin kind of answered that question, but who would really care if you were enlightened?
1: Tim? No, I think, uh, Rachel, I think it would make a massive difference to the people around you for everybody that has that position because. You're not stuck trying to be someone or pretend to have this position or that perspective. You're free. You know, I think that would make a massive difference to everybody around you as soon as you stop building self, self,
0: self, self. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Thank you.
1: Hi. uh, So it's like a ripple effect. Uh, It might have some consequences, but it's like throwing a stone to water. And just okay. how it's expanding and growing okay. in directions that might not
0: be predictable. Okay, thank you, thanks. I wanna. I won't wait for any more answers. Dave, can you come back? Yeah, I'm just. One, okay, I, I really heard what Tim said and Casper just said, and but. What about the person that's up in a cave somewhere in the Tibetan mountains or in deep in a hole somewhere? And they have an enlightened experience, does it matter? And let me say that from my experience, the idea of enlightenment, the person or who it matters or who cares about it most is you is the I, is the small I cares about it most. And the irony is, of course, that if you're going to have a non-dual experience, the small I can't be there. That's so an odd paradox there's this drive for something that isn't actually, you're not going to be present at. And that brings me to, to, to the a definition of, written down here by somebody who says, Enlightenment is devastatingly simple. Although questions regarding enlightenment often become complicated, the answer always remains simple. Awakening to enlightenment is the direct result of freedom from the illusion of a separate volitional self. Awakening to enlightenment is the direct result of freedom from the illusion of a separate. Volitional self. And I think both those words, separate and volitional, are really important. We don't think about volitional when we think, I think, I think, I think I think about enlightenment. Do we feel, that is that about surrender? And if you surrender your volition, then you, if you don't have volition, then it is a surrender. Um, and then just to be you know, personal about it and pragmatic about it. My own experience of let's let's call it a non-dual experience is that they can come and go by grace. They can come out of a really um, determined and committed practice. They can arise spontaneously, not even just pop up. Um, They can be embodied in you to a slight degree or to a deeper degree. As Sheila said, they can also become incremental and become important. Um, But I've not been around anyone that I have experienced as manifesting their non-dual nature on a 24-7 basis. I've never been around anyone. And in fact, within this tradition, one of the jobs of a teacher is to rush you through the non-dual. Because if, if, you, if you are pay homage to or honor to some degree the ideal of this tradition, which is the Bodhisattva ideal, then From the non-dual perspective, you're not much use because you kind of, you know, you're not, not, you've got to be in the dual world to make a a difference. Uh, You could be an inspiration, I guess, and be a wonderful person to be around, but whether you'd actively change uh, or bring about change, which was compassionate, I don't know. Um, I don't know what we've got in time, but I, I... I just wanted to read you something because Alan Watts, when he's talking about wisdom of the um, non-dual, writes very simply about it. And and because I started with Alan Watts, I dug this out from him. I remember him talking about it. I think it was a chapter called God, Ego and Zen. Uh, And he says, release from our own isolating ego." comes partly from recognizing our own hunger for freedom to experience our own intrinsically free nature. However, this is Alan Watts' view, hunger does not imply huge effort. Using our ego to survive is like trying to swim without relying on the water, trying to stay afloat by putting our our own legs. Oh, (laughs) trying to stay afloat by pulling on our own legs. Your body becomes tense and you sink like a stone. Swimming requires a relaxation, a trust in the power of flotation, that the water will hold you off. Spiritual life is the same. We need to trust in the great life in the flow of things and all will be well. Enlightenment of Sotari is thought of as a huge attainment needing, needing huge struggle. But Satori is not about efforts and attaining something, but about realising what we have always had, what we have always had. And I think that was my understanding at the very beginning when I, I realised the trees grew freely and we didn't have to pay them. Okay. And one final word from Adam Watts, who was a radical, There is some perverse determination, some self-regarding romantic picture of our own heroic efforts. We imagine this long journey of spiritual progress culminating in the giddy heights of enlightenment. In so doing, we miss the obvious. And by that, I guess he means it's right here now. Okay, folks, I've I've done, but I'm very happy uh, to... Any uh, response to earlier questions or your her- own heroic efforts? Very much nice for me, John. Mm-hmm. Gordon wants
1: to say something.
0: Okay, be nice oh, to yeah. hear from Gordon. Yeah, marvellous, <laughs> um, marvellous talk. Um, enjoyed Thanks, that. Gordon. I think um, there's a biography of Alan Watts, and um, far be it for me to be a critic, but if you look at his life and everything, he wasn't a great example. He he was, you know, very self-opinionated. and. Yeah, yeah. He was able to write very well, but he didn't know what he wanted. He was... You know, he indulged in drugs, women, uh, he kept switching back to being a Christian again. He, he, he wasn't a very settled, enlightened <laughs> a sort of person, if you, if you wanted to think of it in that way. I think he could yeah. write about it very well.
1: And his book. you know great. what
0: his biography was called, Gordon? I can't remember now. I've read it. was it. called The Genuine Fraud. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, oh. he knew. He he knew all along it was bullshitting. Well, that's that's great. Yeah, I appreciate that actually. Yeah, that's good. It's good, isn't it? The genuine fraud. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Probably describes us all. (laughs) Thanks, Gordon. Nice to see you.